Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Rincon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast today. Friends, thanks for coming by. Today, we have an amazing person on the podcast. Her name is Adair Cates. Adair has been instrumental in teaching, guiding, mentoring me in the art of exchange facilitation. She's a leadership development expert. She's great at asking questions. She has two adorable seven-year-old twin daughters that happen to be at home during this interview that we have. And at the conclusion of the interview, after we turned the recording off, the daughters came in and they were organizing a file folder system. I, I love it because my daughter's doing the same thing. Amazing interview with Adair Cates today. Some of the things we're going to hear about, we're going to hear about the one thing that many of us as entrepreneurs fear the most, and that might be failure in business. And Adair, as successful as she is today in serving hundreds, if not thousands of people in her current business, she went out and failed flat on her face, her first entrepreneurial venture. And this is so scarring to her and so scarring to many of us that we never get back on our feet. She chronicles the way that she has lifted herself up from that challenging experience, how she goes forward, how she's obsessed with learning and everything is an opportunity to learn. She talks about self-inquiry. She gives us some tips and insights into a morning routine that is a little bit different in her journaling than I've ever heard before. And it's amazing. And I believe it's something that everyone here will add, will take value from. She opened up a part of me today in the discussion that allowed me to ask myself the question, what am I asking inside of myself? What will it take for me to get to that place over there? What does the universe bring to me? There are so many questions that she asks today that we can find value from. So sit back and get ready to hear an energetic conversation, one that has deep insight involved. And team, I hope you enjoy this interview with Adair Cates. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. Welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, Adair Kate. Adair, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. It's really awesome to be here. Well, likewise, and we haven't had too many chances to connect like this one-on-one and have a deep discussion. And I want to say uh, a couple things first about our origin story. When I first mm-hmm. met you, it was it was March 2021, 
you are a, a master supreme exchange facilitator. That's the way that I know you. Well, thank you, Matt. <laughs> Someone who's helped to train me and teach me and guide me in the art of appreciative inquiry and asking great questions and facilitating things. And, and this has permeated into every part of my life, my business mm. and, and personal life. I just have to say, it's been so awesome to watch you just take off with exchange and really not only lead in your own business, but become a leader in the exchange community as well. So I, it's been an honor uh, to watch you, Matt, go through that process and, and become that. Well, humbly, thank you. And I'd say just because we always say and in exchange, we always build on things. We don't we don't shut it yes, down, and. make it small, we expand. <laughs> yes, and exchange has been a transformation in my life. I, I love the philosophy of always expanding, thinking bigger, thinking inclusively, bringing it all together with questions that offer limitless potential. And it it, it truly does go into every aspect of my life. So thank you for that, Adair. Let's put you on the spot. When I think of you, there are three words that came to mind. First, I'll give you the runner-up. The runner-up word that came to mind was stylish. Because every time I've seen you, you've always had some stylish background, some stylish, like your your nails, your glasses, you know, candles. Every, everything is always pretty darn stylish. So that's, that's the runner-up. The real, when I think of you and what you inspire, these are the, the three things that came to mind. Number one, inspiring. Number two, masterfully articulate when teaching. And number three, light bringer. Mm. Uh, those are three things that came to mind. So having shared that and, and hearing that, I'd love to hear you know, what does our audience need to know about you as we dive in today? Well, first, let's start with the runner-up, the style. <laughs> Thank you for that compliment. I am really tuned into aesthetics. So I'm a very high aesthetic person. So for me, it's like it, if I look down at my nails and they're not done, it just takes away a little piece of my energy. Or if I'm in my home and, and the books aren't organized by like Roy G. Biv color order, I just don't feel quite as peaceful. I'm very like aesthetic and space particular. So it's natural that I kind of have that sense of style because I like for all the pieces to fit together in a certain way. It makes me feel at peace. It makes me feel balanced. And it actually kind of connects with what I love about facilitation as well is there's a certain order and methodology and way of guiding people and leading people and presenting questions that are accessible and relevant that makes it seamless. And so facilitator, I'm a Spanish speaker. I love languages and I le learned Spanish studying abroad in my 20s. And facil in Spanish, so I'm sure it goes back to Latin, means easy. A facilitator is there to make things easier in the meeting, in the group. So I think of this sense of organization and order and style and aesthetics. For me, it makes my life easier. I feel ease. I feel peace. And, you know, I've heard other people say that they feel those things when they're in my home, in my physical space, and also when they're in my online space at an event that they almost feel this sense of just kind of like, okay, this person's going to guide me along. I'm going to be taken care of. I'm held. I'm safe. So I don't know if it makes sense or who knows. <laughs> well, completely. Because in my experience on the other side of the microphone camera and, and being someone that's learned from you is it is incredibly uh, easy to be in your presence. You do include people. You do make things accessible. You're an excellent facilitator. I can sing your praises all day. Your background is memorable. I mean, the things about you 
that make you strong in your business and the things that are about you that make you warm in life in general, they're very obvious of when someone first meets you. Thank you. And I'd love to kind of look at the timeline of your mm -hmm. life and look at how did you get to become this amazing businesswoman? Because mm. our audience, we, we want to share real stories about many of the challenges that people underwent in the early years, adult years, and now, and helped us understand, I mean, how did you get to be so successful as a human, successful as a leader? You know, that's the way that I view you. Oh, thank but you. But I'd love to hear some of the backstory of the shaping experiences. Sure. Yeah, start wherever you'd like to. Yeah, sure. So I would say first and foremost, I'm a learner. I love to mm -hmm. learn. I am totally obsessed with how the mind works, how we create our lives. I'm very much in the belief of this life is a co-creative dance with spirit, with the divine, with God, with whatever you want to call a, a higher being. And that we have the ability to work with that energy in order to intentionally create what we're looking to create. And that's not to say that we're in control in any, any way, shape, or form. I think it is a co-creative dance. I think our soul has a journey that we are meant to go on in this lifetime. And some of your listeners might think, whoa, that's kind of out there and a little crazy. That's my personal philosophy, and you don't necessarily have to believe that. However, this idea of learning, I love to learn new things, and I love to then share whatever I've learned with other people. So I'm a natural learner, and I'm a natural teacher. And in fact, I would say when I mentioned I learned Spanish in my 20s, it creates the perfect example of the conditions that I like to learn in. Yeah. I had taken years of Spanish classes and like, I would have said, oh, I can kind of carry on a conversation, but that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to go live in Spain for a semester of college and actually immerse myself in the language, in the culture to learn. I thought that I could speak it, but I will tell you when I got into the class and everything was in Spanish and the teacher came to call on me. I froze, I forgot everything, and I like blurted something out in English because I was so embarrassed. So I didn't know very much, but I was determined and I stayed there for a whole year and I ended up going back after I graduated. So this idea of learning through immersion, putting myself in the experience, and that's humbling, it's risky, it's scary, it's definitely not the safe way to learn. It would be way easier for me to easier and safer to grab Rosetta Stone and learn from my home. But I like to take that internal safety that I create inside of myself by the way that I think, the way that I show up in the world. I like to carry that with me into uncomfortable situations and then learn, learn as much as I can. A thousand percent. So you're in this class and the teacher or the uh, professora uh, says something to you and you kind of go deer in headlights. You say something, something comes out. Do the people in your class, do they speak English as a second language to help guide you or is everything in Spanish and you're just, you're forced now to, to sink or swim? I mean, was it that extreme? Semester <laughs> one, when I was there, was with a, a whole classroom of American exchange students who were from various different universities. So they were from all over the United States and we were all in a class together, but we were asked to only speak Spanish the entire time that we were in the class. 
Then semester two, I was literally at the Universidad de Sevilla. I was in the university classes. I was with all Spanish students. There were a few exchange students, maybe from other places, but in general, no, it was it was uh, it was full immersion in the second semester. So, wow, you dove in and sink or swim, and I'm imagining that you you swam. And <laughs> do you still remember Spanish today? Can you still speak yes. it? Yes, see, sí, hablo español. Awesome. I, I I forget words sometimes, but if you put me in a Spanish speaking place, it usually bubbles back to the surface, and I struggle a little bit with vocabulary. But after I'm there for a minute, I'm kind of back, um, back in it. Why is it that in Spanish class, I remember level one, I want to say sixth grade, they taught us uh, donde esta la biblioteca. I don't I don't even know why that was one of the first things I remember learning, but why did they teach us that, I wonder? It's a great question. I mean, it's a better question would be donde están los baños, right? Like where are the bathrooms? I mean, we don't need to know where the biblioteca is. We need to know where the baño is. This is fair. <laughs> yes. Well, so a great example of you learning through immersion. Where are other stories in your life that you've learned through immersion that have been challenging opportunities for you? Yeah. And maybe it's immersion, maybe it's other ways, but I think it's more of just this whole idea of just, I just dive in and then I figure it out. That's what I would say it is. Mm -hmm. I just dive in, I go for it and I figure it out. And so I, after I left Spain, I was like, wow, I've acquired the skill and I can, I can teach Spanish because I struggled to learn it. And so I can teach it because I know all the tricks and hacks that I learned. So I became a Spanish teacher and I did that for seven years. So I taught middle school, high school and community college. And, And I found that to be mostly incredibly enjoyable the thing that did not work for me was I, I was like this, I can't make this amount of money. Like this is not a sustainable income. So sadly, that was a big driver for me to leave that profession. I like to make money. Mm-hmm. I like to create resources through different avenues. And I just, it was hard for me to see if I'm spending this much time of my day here, I, I just couldn't see other ways to make it work. And then there were other factors as well that I was like, oh, there's just more. There's more for me. I, I want more for myself. So once I got to college level, I figured something out. Mm. I loved adult learners. And there was something huh. so fun about advising them. So I had to be an advisor. Once I was teaching in a community college, I had to be an advisor for a certain group of students. And I loved helping them map their future and think about their goals and start to orient themselves towards a path that they wanted to take themselves down. And so I had this whole aha of like, I really love helping adults learn. At that point, I was very much on my own self-development journey. And I started to see wow, there could be some crossover here and eventually got into the world of leadership development, learning and development inside of companies. Today's episode is sponsored by Genuine Appreciation for Others. How do you show genuine appreciation for others, my friends? It can be as simple as a thank you. It can be a handwritten card. It can be sharing with the world on social media that someone's made an impact in your life. There are so many ways that you can show genuine appreciation. The first and foremost is simply by doing it. Pick someone today that's doing a great job at something, that's having an impact in your life, and show genuine appreciation for them. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so before we go into 
what that looks like. You said that you're on this journey. Mm -hmm. You've you've figured out you're on a journey of self-development. In that stage, when you are going from middle school to community college uh, teacher, somewhere there's a a journey of Mm self-development. Can you give us a couple details around what self-development meant to you? Sure. Okay. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I watched the movie The Secret. You remember that movie? Okay. Oh, yeah. So 2010... I think it was my mom, actually, who shared that movie with me and then the book. And I opened up the part of me that always innately knew that basically what the what it's saying is our thoughts create our reality. I, I since believe that there's a lot more to it than just that. However, there is a lot to this idea of how we orient our minds will shape our future. And so I got really passionate about how am I orienting my mind to shape my future? And it really dovetailed with helping these college students to shape their future. And so I started kind of thinking about, well, how can I, how can I continue to support people in shaping their future, being the best version of themselves and to get paid for that. And I wasn't quite ready for the entrepreneurial journey at that point. I actually like mm. quit my job and tried the entrepreneurial thing. And it was an epic failure. Oh, yes. Tell us more. Tell us more. Because so, for, for the listeners out there, Dare is incredible at what she does today. And it's not always sunshine and roses and, and cotton candy when you get started. Tell us no, more. It was really <laughs> ugly and messy. I was like, I was on the high. So it happens with a lot of people when they first discover self-development and the power of our minds and the power of positivity and all of that, which obviously I'm so wise now. I know I know a lot of the pitfalls that I was falling into at that point, but I needed to experience it. That again, kind of going back to like, I need to experience it. I need to go into it. I need, and I'm okay with failure. So I decided I'm going to quit my job. I wrote a book called Live With Intention because I said, I love this idea of like shaping our future with our thoughts, with our goals, you know, mapping that path for ourselves. And I, for about a year, I did speaking, I wrote a book, I coached a little bit, I got a coaching certification, and this was like in my late 20s. And I learned a lot. And I recognized at some point, I was like, I'm not earning what I thought I would earn. I'm going into debt to like make this happen, and I'm not getting the returns to like justify it. And I got scared, Mm. right? Like I just, I got scared. And so I was like, what can I do? And I actually, for a brief time, went back and taught just to kind of get myself out of the fear place. Cause that happens sometimes we get to a place where we just need to feel back into that place of safety and not be in a place of fear. And I, I recognized I was in such a place of fear that the next best step for me was to get to safety. And for me, then safety that I needed was, okay, I'm just going to go back in the classroom. I'm going to teach for a year. And I started working on a master's degree in learning and development because I knew I think I can take this into an organization. And I'd learn like, these are the careers that nobody ever tells you exist when you're growing up, right? You like either want to be a teacher or a scientist or whatever it might be, but there's, 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 I, the careers that they taught us about, there's 
thousands and thousands of careers that didn't even exist, right? By the time I graduated, it's just this weird reality that we set our kids up for. I'm really mindful of that now as I have uh, seven-year-old twins. But yeah, this whole idea of just getting back to safety, starting a master's degree, and then really like once I was in that and I felt good and I was in my master's degree some, then I found an opportunity to work in learning inside of Rosetta Stone. So it was a whoa, nice whoa. it was a nice okay. stepping stone because I was into language. They needed help on their learning team doing learning and development for their customers who were implementing Rosetta Stone. So and I got to I got to dual being inside of classrooms which I was familiar with and being inside of companies which I wasn't familiar with. And inside of those companies, I was working with learning teams, HR teams, leadership teams that would then be the groups I would work with later in my career. So it was kind of like this stepping stone. So I landed at Rosetta Stone for a while and then finished my master's degree. And a couple of years after that, I found a job that was perfect for me, which was doing leadership development inside of uh, a learning team at Humana, large organization. Okay. Well, so let's back up for one second. So you found a job inside of leadership development in Humana, and you've been working with companies now for some time. So you have some experience in companies, you're working with Humana. What was that uh, kind of birth by fire into companies like for you? Learning the jargon, learning HR, executive speak. Yeah. I love to learn. So I loved it. it mm-hmm. To me, it was like a new challenge, right? Like I learned a lot of the education jargon. I learned the philosophy in education. I learned like that whole world. And then I got to move into 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 the world of business, which which I appreciate because it was much more commerce focused. I didn't realize how much I loved like commerce, finances, money. I mean, I know I left teaching because I, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to financially sustain myself. However, I didn't realize I would like some of the financial aspects of learning about a business, which were, even though I was in learning uh, and didn't have a whole mm-hmm. lot of access to all of that, it was still this, this new way of thinking that no, isn't there in academia. It isn't there. Yeah. I'm wondering, so you, you mentioned the finances, the money, and it showed up before because you felt you you weren't earning what you were worth. You wanted to earn more. Yeah. What has your narrative or relationship looked like with money going through through college, through teaching for seven years, through now you're coaching executives? What's your, your internal narrative about money? Yeah. So really great question. I would say... I've had huge shifts and I'm very tuned into, I would say, I don't know if you would call it a philosophy about money or a mindset about money, whatever it might be. But it, it also kind of became like a learning obsession of mine was to like learn about what's the money mindset or the blueprint that I have for money. So I've done a lot of like internal work on like, how was I programmed by the way I was raised and and really worked on that. So The interesting thing is when I stopped working inside of companies, so I mentioned, you know, I was working at Humana, I was there for several years, and then I was working inside of another smaller company for a few years, same type of role, leadership development. It's very much what I like what I do today, but I work for myself now. And so when I transitioned into entrepreneurship, it just like exploded the money possibilities for me. 
because I've always, Mm. I had always been in places where it was kind of the fixed income mentality. And Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. I put myself in the entrepreneurial role. And then it was like, oh, I have to show up differently because now I am responsible. I mean, I I was responsible when I was inside of a company too, because I had to deliver or else I was going to get fired. But at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, you know how this goes as an entrepreneur, I am responsible for all of it myself. And, and what I loved about that is to a certain degree, I mean, I recognize there are probably limits to a certain degree. I had the ability to make limitless income, right? Like there's no one saying you have, you can only earn this much money. This is your salary. And if you get a raise or a promotion, you can only get this much because that's what the company will allow. No, I mean, yes. if I dialed things in, I could dramatically increase my income. Amazing. Yeah. I- I'm, I'm wondering, learner, obsessed with learning. I love it. Humbly curious, obsessed with learning, great philosophy. So there's a point when you branch on your own, first entrepreneurial venture, and there's an epic failure. And then you get back to teaching to give yourself that year to get safety back. And then you move into this role with Humana and then entrepreneurship and then sky's the limit. You took off. Yeah. And that's where we are now. And if we can go back, you know, I, I sense this learning. I sense that there's always this a limitless opportunity in you. Mm-hmm. You still had an epic fail at the beginning. And I wonder from where you are now to then, just that that seems so paramount because so many entrepreneurs get out there, they get beat down for the first time and they never get back up. Yeah. It scarred me for mm-hmm. a long time. I'll be I'll be frank about that. Like it scarred me for mm-hmm. years and I was I was very afraid to go out on my own. And the place where I landed after Humana was a small business and they were two very entrepreneurial mind guys who they wanted to build this really strong culture inside of their small company. And we had this awesome experience working together and they knew the whole time I wanted to have my own business. Like I was like, my goal in the future is to have my own business. And I thought they were going to help me do that. And things just didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. And it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? Nobody's going to do this unless I do it. I keep leaning on a crutch, maybe because I had the past failure. I keep trying to lean on a crutch of somebody else. But at the end of the day, it's me. Like I have to go out. Mm. I have to make it happen. And and I'll tell you, I decided to leave that organization. And they told me I had nothing in writing. They told me, well, we're going to give you a contract to work with us for a year. And so I was like, okay, cool. That kind of gives me like a foundation of like, I've got this one client. I know I can at least lean in and be with this one client and then I can get some other clients. And then all of that blew up. So I went from thinking I was going to have this like six figure contract my first year to zero. Oh, oh. And that was, you know, that was 2019. Wasn't that long ago? Did that bring back up old scars? Did did that just kind of hit (laughs) you in the face? Yeah, but it's all good because again, it just, it kind of goes back to, there has to be a level of courage in stepping into Mm. this. And for me, it's always been about, I have to be fully in it. If I'm not fully in and fully integrated into like, yes, this is what I'm doing, then things just don't quite jive for me quite as well. So yeah, that's, well, yeah. Amazing. And that brings us forward to today. Yeah. And I saw your email address and I'd never seen 
that email before. Mm. So I'm wondering, lead first, lead uh, you, lead you, yeah, yes, first lead you. Talk about what what you're doing today and and lead us, please. I'd love to hear uh, <laughs> Thank you. words from Adair, please. Yes. So <laughs> from the time I started my business in 2019 to now, obviously we've had a global pandemic. I was doing a lot of more things in person. Now I'm doing a lot more things online. I'm doing some things in person, but really soon after I left my job and didn't get that contract, I actually attended the exchange training that we were talking about at the beginning. And Mm -hmm. attending that five-day training just like blew my mind, opened my world. And it was like, this is it. This is the thing that I'm going to take with all my experience with leadership development and and inside of organizations. I'm going to take this model and I'm just going to run with it. And that's really, that's really what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And of course, as I said, since the pandemic, I've been doing that all online, uh, which has been awesome. And as we said at the beginning, the exchange method is all about questions, conversation designs. You know, you mentioned appreciative inquiry because it rests heavy on the shoulders of appreciative inquiry. And it's all about helping to bring out the collective wisdom of a group. So I mostly work with groups in helping them to come up with a shared vision, values, purpose, strategy, or really solve any problem that they have by bringing out the wisdom of the group. It's a holistic way of designing and facilitating conversations, which you're very familiar with, Matt. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. I do some one-on-one coaching as well. That's Mm -hmm. something that I kind of stopped doing, but I'm back doing a little bit more of that now. So I coach leaders typically uh, inside of organizations really who are looking to become better uh, versions of themselves from the inside out. So that kind of goes back to the first lead you. Even though I do a lot of group work, my core belief, my core philosophy is that we first must lead ourselves. And part of what we do at Exchange as well is our Awakening Conscious Leadership training and program that I'm very intimately involved with, which is based on the work of Dr. Danny Friedland and his book called Leading Well from Within. And it very Mm -hmm. much is a brain-based way of helping ourselves to be more resourced so that we can be a better leader, both for ourselves, for our families, for our teams. And what I mean by that is, what, yeah. how, am I, how am I thinking? Where am I placing my attention? How am I being mindful in a way where I am resourced on the inside so that I don't blow up? right? Or if I do blow up, I know how to go back and get myself to a place of equanimity and resolve whatever I may, you know, it's not about being perfect. We're all human at the end of the day. But the first lead you piece is is all about my, my belief in, even if I'm facilitating groups, whatever's happening inside of me is foundational. It's core, and it's going to show up in everything that I do. So if I want to be an awesome facilitator, or if I want to be an amazing mom to my daughters, I -hmm. have to be very Mm -hmm. tuned in to what's happening inside of me and my internal world, how I'm thinking, my mindfulness practices. I'm really, really dedicated to meditation, journaling, very strong in my morning routine and, and kind of like starting my day out right. So that's where the first lead you comes in. Well, let's take a, a quick dive into that. You talk about your morning routine, journaling, meditation. You know, if I were a fly on the wall and 
if I'm right there, I see your wall. It's beautiful, by the way. As you said, stylistic and, and the space is beautiful. If if I'm there and I'm witnessing you going through a morning routine, what would I see? Great question. So um, on my best mornings, because sometimes it varies a little bit, I... You mean you're not perfect? Oh, okay. I'm totally. So, I'm a total flawed human. And I've learned to okay. finally just let myself be that because otherwise I spend a lot of wasted energy beating myself up, right? So I love, first of all, to make a green juice in my Vitamix. So cucumber, celery, spinach, avocado, sometimes some lemon, because this is a holistic thing, right? It starts with what we put in our body. Our nutrition is important. So I start with that. And then I drink coffee usually after that, like a half hour after that or whatever. But typically I start with the green juice. Then I meditate. 10 to 20 minutes in what I call a seated practice. Um, I use the unified mindfulness way of meditating and talking about mindfulness. Usually 10 to 20 minutes of that. And then I go make my coffee. And then I'm in my journal and I journal gratitude every single day. And I do gratitude for everything, which means I'm thanking the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the beautiful, the happy, the difficult all of that as a way to acknowledge and reconnect with the truth of what's happening in my life at the moment. And I found that that is really important. I'm not trying to deny the hard things. I'm not trying to put a a pretty picture over top of the hard things. I'm saying, no, thank you for my daughter getting diagnosed with COVID. And it's just as a way, just a way to like be truthful and acknowledge what's going on without always having to necessarily look for a silver lining in it. Just acknowledge it. Wow. You're not holding back any punches. You're not blaming. You're not a victim. You're highly aware and appreciating whatever comes at you. That's that's amazing. And then after that, sometimes I am reading a book and I'll spend some time reading or I'm reflecting on a question. A lot of my personal practice goes beyond my routine. I I would say that's kind of the core of the routine, what I just described. I usually go on a run or do some type of an exercise during that time as well. And then I would say throughout the day, I'm really being mindful of what's happening inside of me. And I'm very much a believer in what I call self-inquiry. And it's what Mm -hmm. questions, we talk about questions and conversations in groups with the work that we do with exchange, right? But this Mm -hmm. is what questions am I asking inside of myself? And what does that open up and what becomes possible? So a lot of times what we do is instead of asking a question, we come up with a conclusion or a story based on Mm -hmm. something we've experienced and how it went in the past. But if I will go into inquiry and ask myself something like, what will it take to blank? What will it take? And uh, I'm not necessarily trying to answer that question. I'm leaving that question open. And I'm seeing what does the universe bring to me based on the question that I'm asking? What wisdom arrives if I ask a question, just like when I'm with a group? What wisdom arrives from that group, comes out of that group, bubbles up from that group if I present a question? And if I ask you, it's going to be one thing. If I ask somebody else, it's going to be something totally different. I don't want to have all the answers. I just want to ask the questions and I want to receive the answers from a higher source. 
and move through life with that. And that's, that's tough because I love certainty. I love order. I love organization as we kind of went back and we go back to the very beginning. I love that. I love to create that sense of control. But at the end of the day, I really don't think that we have much control, but we absolutely have the ability to ask better questions inside of ourselves and see what comes out of that. And also, as I said, with the gratitude to be grateful for it all. And if I were to boil life down to like two things, it's the inquiry, it's asking questions instead of having the answers and appreciation, being grateful for it all, being grateful for everything, saying thank you for the big, small, big, bad, ugly, beautiful, whatever arises in our lives. Adair, you have enlightened us. You've you've offered us a lot of wisdom today. I appreciate everything you've shared. I've taken a bunch of notes and look forward to when this is published so I can learn from it again. How would someone get in touch with you or follow you on social media if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Sure, absolutely. Well, it's been first, I just want to say it's been awesome to be with you, Matt, and really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for letting me tell my story and sharing. I, I also had a few ahas and some connected some dots. So thank you so much for the way you asked the questions and kind of got at different things that you had me thinking about things I haven't thought about in a long time. So I I deeply appreciate that and you as well. If people want to find me, I'm easy to find Adair Cates. You can find me on Instagram. My website is adaircates.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. And then as we've talked about several times today, the exchange approach, you can find out more about the exchange approach at the exchange exchangeapproach.com. And I'm sure Matt can put the exact spelling of that in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Adair. It has been a privilege and a pleasure and honor and keep spreading that great energy out there and keep creating something amazing. Keep asking questions. Look forward to connecting soon. Awesome, Matt. Thanks so much. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.